Hey everybody, I'm Nathan. I'm the pastor of Outreach here at uh, Central Church and it's an honor to be with you whether you're in the house with us this morning or you're watching us online. I don't know about you, but when it came time to turn the calendar from December 2020 to January 2021, I was so excited. And that excitement lasted for like five days, I think, or something. And then it was just like, oh wait, this is just, this is life. And life is sometimes hard and complicated and messy. In my opinion, 2020 and and the coronavirus shutdown is going to be one of those things that will always stick with us in vivid and surreal detail. Similar to how those of us that are old enough and can remember, similar to how we all know where we were on 9-11 and what we were doing when those planes struck those towers, 2020, like it or not, will continue to be a part of who we are. And 2020 was in some ways very similar for all of us. We spent a lot of time in our homes around people that we love deeply but maybe didn't want to spend all that much time around. We probably came really close at some point to having a bit of a toilet paper crisis. And if you're like me, you've probably watched all the things on Netflix. I mean, like all of them. I've seen all the things. Um, And if you're married, you probably had some of these experiences. My wife and I are on the why do you have to choose so loud day of quarantine. That's day two of quarantine. That's when that day happened. My wife and I play this fun game during quarantine. It's called why are you doing it that way? And there are no winners to that game, especially for you gentlemen. There are no winners. Or this one, my favorite. Day 4,302 of quarantine, or what felt like it. Wife, you're doing it wrong. Husband, doing what wrong? Wife, motions vaguely in the direction of my entire life. (laughs) So it was a real joy during quarantine in, in my home. And some of the things that happened to us in 2020, they are funny in hindsight, and we've turned them into memes. But if we're honest with ourselves, it was really hard to live through. Everything felt so uncertain and no one agreed on anything. And having my kids do their schoolwork in my house is the literal worst. I don't know how you homeschool parents do it. I know it's different with homeschool than it was for virtual learning, but it was the worst. I'm not really sure how much I like my kids. I love them, but some of our experiences were very similar from that time. But they were also very unique and personal to each of us because we were so isolated. And so even though we were all doing the same things, and you can say, yeah, this is what I did during quarantine. You're like, yeah, I did the exact same thing. We were doing them seemingly alone. And it's hard to be alone. I personally didn't get to stay at home during COVID. My team and I started a ministry called Corona Help Sioux Falls, and I know I've mentioned it before. Uh, It was a home delivery service for vulnerable individuals, and we ended up delivering to like 5,000 homes. And that might sound cool, but it really wasn't. I was spending 60 plus hours a week in a room with a computer and a phone, coordinating deliveries, calling people who had requested goods, and making sure that our shelves stayed stocked. 
The nice thing is, though, about doing that in 2020 is that if this whole ministry thing doesn't work out, I'm pretty sure I'm qualified to work in that new Amazon distribution center they're building here in town. It was mind-numbing work. And I was worried about making people sick, and I felt guilty about leaving my wife and kids at home alone without me. And on top of all of that, this church building was closed down. And I missed my friends and colleagues. I missed my routines. But most of all, I missed my church family. I missed worshiping with the body of Christ gathered. I know that some of you really embrace this whole digital church thing. But for me and my family, it was a real struggle back in the spring. I was worn out physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And I know to one degree or another, all of you experience that same kind of isolation, exhaustion, loss, and brokenness that I experienced. And I made a big mistake, Christians. I made a, I made a big mistake for somebody who is a follower of Christ in 2020. I found myself trying to sustain myself with my own wisdom and power and strength. And I found that I am seriously lacking. But lucky for me and for you is the fact that God has not left us alone. That God doesn't just expect his followers to work harder and to be better somehow magically. God knows that I am not good enough and he has had a plan for that since the creation of the world. So I want us to turn today to John chapter 3 as we continue our series called The Life. And I want you to see a part of God's plan and promise for those who feel alone, broken, and not good enough. Turn with me now to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. John chapter 3, 1 through 12. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they be born again. How exactly can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. (laughs) How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you did not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? 
There's a lot, there's a lot there in those few verses. And so let's go back to the beginning to verse one and look at that again. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus was a Jew's Jew. He was at the pinnacle of their society. He would have had what we call the Old Testament memorized from front to back and everything in between. He was considered among the wisest men alive. In fact, he served on a group that was called the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin wielded considerable power. The Sanhedrin was made up of 71 rabbis and basically functioned as Israel's Supreme Court. And so, John 3 tells us that this Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night. Light and dark represent many things in the Gospel of John. Light is seen as good and righteous and wise. And darkness or night is seen as the opposite. Evil and sinful and ignorant. By telling us that Nicodemus comes at night, the writer is conveying that Nicodemus, a Jew's Jew and member of the Sanhedrin, comes to Jesus in ignorance and sin. But before we begin to feel self-righteous, we can't be too hard on old Nicodemus, can we? Don't we all initially draw to Jesus still stuck in our ignorance and sin? The first time you came to Jesus, you were in the midst of that, weren't you? We come to Jesus in darkness, hoping for the light. But it doesn't take us long to realize that Nicodemus really did come to Jesus in darkness and ignorance. Because he really, really doesn't understand what Jesus is trying to tell him here in John chapter 3. He is completely lost and heading in the wrong direction. Jesus replied to him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's like, come on Jesus, this is crazy talk. So evidently, Nicodemus has this mental image in mind this about a second physical birth and he just... He can't get over it. All he could imagine was the physical impossibilities of what Jesus here is saying. But what is impossible in the flesh is completely possible for the Spirit. Let me say that again. What is impossible in our flesh is completely possible for the Spirit of God. See, there's actually two different ways to interpret the Greek word here used by Jesus in the phrase, born again. Nicodemus understands that word, and the word is anathen, in case you want to know some Greek. Nicodemus understands that word as again, as you probably see it in your text. So in his mind, he is thinking about being physically born again. But the word can also mean from above. And this is the meaning that Jesus is hinting at. You see, as Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. 
You cannot be a part of God's kingdom unless you have been born from above. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's the truth of that statement. No amount of trying will get you into the kingdom of God. Nothing in this physical creation can fix what ails us. The calendar turns and we're still in the same mess because the world is still a broken place living in its flesh. We can't work our way into heaven. We must experience the supernatural power of God. We have to be born again from above. And then and only then can we transcend all of the muck and the mire that threatens to bog us all down. And so Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. Did you get that? Did you catch that? Flesh gives birth to flesh. And that's all it can do. Our flesh can only give birth to more flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. What exactly does that mean? Well, it doesn't take long if we look at our own lives to maybe figure it out. Every single one of us has experienced a birth of the flesh. And that doesn't just mean that you have a mom. Flesh, in this passage, also means sin. And Scripture teaches that all of us have entered into a life of flesh full of sin and weakness. And I don't know about you, but for me, every time sin is born into me, it seems to multiply and give birth to more and more and more and more sin. And in my flesh, I can't stop it and I can't fix it on my own. I need something beyond myself to get free of this sin mess that I've made. What I need, what we all need, is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the breath of God to give birth to our spiritual lives. All this talk about flesh and spirit, it makes me think of a story from the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, we see Ezekiel and God, and they're like hanging out, walking around, doing as they do. And Ezekiel and God, they go to this valley, and this valley is full of dry, dusty bones. It's just full of them, the whole place. And God turns to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel looks at God and he's like, I, I don't know, God, but with you, all things are possible. And God's like, good answer, Ezekiel. And he says, Ezekiel, I want you to speak life over these bones. I want you to breathe out over this valley. I want you to prophesy over these dry, dead bones. And so Ezekiel does. He prophesies over the valley, and we see the bones begin to knit themselves together. 
and it's like tendons, and it's like such a crazy word picture. You get the, the tendons, and then the muscles, and then over the muscles, you get the skin, and then at some point, you just got like a whole valley full of meat sacks. And God says, Ezekiel, are these bodies living? And Ezekiel says, no, God, they're not living. There's no wind in them. There's no breath in them. You have to breathe into them so that they can have life. And God says, good answer, Ezekiel. Then do it. Prophesy the wind over this valley. Prophesy the wind over these bodies. Move my breath through them and they shall live. And so Ezekiel prophesies and the wind blows and the breath of God fills these meat sacks and they come to life. Flesh only gives birth to more flesh. We need the spirit to move to find true life. Paul hints at this truth in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8 verses 13 through 15 it says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But... If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We find some hard truths in Scripture, some things that maybe don't seem so nice sometimes, but they're still true. And one of those truths that we find in Scripture is, the hard truths, is that people who live according to the flesh will eventually die and find themselves cut off from God forever. And I can tell you that no amount of fun or fleshly living is worth that consequence. If you are living in sin, your sins are killing you and they are cutting you off from the very thing you were created for. That is to be a child of God. Did you know that? That is why you exist. If you've ever thought, why Why do I exist? Why am I here? What is this all about? What this is all about, it's about you knowing and loving the God of the universe and the God of the universe knowing and loving you in return. And it's God's spirit that makes that possible according to Romans chapter eight. And so I wanna ask you, where are you today? Have you experienced the birth from above that Jesus is talking about? Have you seen a supernatural work happen in your life and transform you from flesh to spirit? Do you cry out to God as your Abba and your Father? Or are you still stuck in your sin? Are you, do you find in your life, when you look at it, that flesh is giving birth to flesh or spirit is giving birth to spirit. The Bible says that if that's you, if you're stuck in your sin, there is a way out, and it's not just try harder, it's not just do better, it's not check off these 10 things and come back to me, and then maybe I'll let you be the child of God. God has done all the work. All we have to do is what it says in Romans 10, 9 through 10. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it. Declare with your mouth, believe in your heart. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, 
And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We've got this giant thing on our wall over here. You might ignore it sometimes because it just becomes kind of white noise, but I want to point your attention over there. We put it on the wall because we want to make sure that every single person that comes into this place knows how to begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We, call, we say it's as simple as the ABCs. A is admit you have sinned against God. B, believe that Jesus alone can save you from your sin. And C, commit to following Jesus in every part of your life. It's that simple. And if you do those things, the Spirit enters your life and you are transformed. So if there's some of you in this room today that haven't done that yet, I want to I have a little time for you to kind of sit with that. Sit and see if maybe the Spirit is calling out to you this morning. And I'm going to say a little prayer in just a little bit, and you can say it with me if maybe this is something you feel like you need to do. And if you're in the room and you're already a believer, then I want you just to pray in this moment that the Spirit will move in some people's lives, whether in this room or, or watching online. And so will you go to the Lord with me? God, I am a sinner. God, I constantly do things that are against your will, God, and your word. Um, I'm stuck in my flesh, and I need forgiveness. I need what it is that Jesus offers through his death on the cross, God. And I need the new life that comes that we find in his resurrection, God. I need the spirit to blow fresh into me, God, and make me into something new. God, Thank you for the sacrifice you made. Thank you that you reached out to me, God, so that I can find relationship with you, God. Transform my life. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. But if you're here this morning and this still seems confusing or mysterious or maybe it feels like it's a little over your head as Jesus is talking about flesh and spirit and wind and all this crazy stuff. I want to say, that's okay. Remember that Jesus is talking in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, who is among the brightest of his age, and all this stuff, it baffled him too. And I want to let you know that as we journey through the book of John this year uh, in the series we call The Life, there's going to be many other sermons about the Spirit. John is chock full of Jesus talking about the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, if you don't understand today or you're a little confused today, just continue to pray, God, reveal to me your truth. And know this, Jesus wasn't trying to make Nicodemus feel dumb. And he's not trying to make us feel dumb either. What Jesus was trying to do was to see the Spirit break through into Nicodemus' life. And that's his hope for us as well. He said to Nicodemus, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The word that gets translated here as spirit and wind in this passage is actually the same word in Greek. The word is pneuma. And pneuma can mean spirit, breath, or wind. 
And for, for me personally, I really like the imagery of the Spirit of God moving through his creation like the wind. When I was a kid, I used to love laying underneath a tree and watching the branches sway in the wind. I could do it for hours. In fact, it was probably one of the only times I shut my mouth and was actually still. So my mom would be like, why don't you go outside and lay under the tree? Don't you like that? There was something magical for me about the wind and the work that it would do as it affected the trees and their leaves. I think... Uh, Something I've learned since moving to South Dakota almost two years ago is that South Dakotans know a thing or two about the wind. Uh, I'm pretty sure that our west parking lot out over here is the windiest place on the face of the planet. You should have been here Friday uh, trying to stand in the parking lot. You might have turned into a kite. Um, And I think we can also all agree, right, that it's one thing to like read about the wind or to maybe see the wind on TV, and it's a whole other thing to like stand out in the wind and experience it, right? Those are two totally different things. So this morning I found this description of the wind uh, in, in a scientific journal called The Scientific American, uh, and so I want to read to you a little bit about what wind actually is. Uh, it, sa- it starts, uh, simply put, and you've got to love it when a scientific journal says, simply put, You're like, yeah, I bet this is going to be simple. Wind is the motion of air molecules. Two concepts are central to understanding what causes wind, air and air pressure. Air comprises molecules of nitrogen, about 78% by volume. Oxygen, about 21% by volume. And water vapor, between 1% and 4% by volume, depending how close you are to the surface of the... So we can read about wind, or we can experience it, right? And which is better? Scientific journals are boring. Smoke machines are cool. In a little bit, you'll be able to see me again. I wanted to do that little illustration this morning because in the same way it's one thing to read about the wind and it's another thing to experience the wind, it's one thing to read about the Spirit of God or to hear other people talk about the Spirit of God, but it's a whole other thing to experience it for yourself. And so, how do we create those spaces where we can experience the living God blowing through our lives. As we progress through the Gospel of John, one of the really cool things that we'll get to see is, we'll get to see that Nicodemus makes the leap from head knowledge about the Spirit to experiential heart knowledge. He'll move from ignorance to understanding. The Spirit evidently blew into his life and made him And so he will move from darkness and sin and ignorance that we see him in here in chapter 3 to light and righteousness and goodness. In John chapter 7, we'll get to see him speak up in defense of Jesus when he's talking to the Sanhedrin. And in John 19, spoiler alert, he assists in the preparation of Jesus' body for burial. The Spirit moves. And when He does, people move from death 
to life. I'll be honest. I stopped seeing and feeling the movement of the Spirit for a while in 2020. I let a lot of other things crowd out God's Spirit in my life. Have you felt that same way? Was 2020 or a part of it maybe similar for you? What would it take for you to once again feel the effects of the wind? Do you want God to breathe into your life again? You know, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I may work in a church, but that doesn't make me some kind of like super Christian. Uh, I firmly believe that we are all fellow journeyers in this life of faith. But I have picked up a few tips and tricks along the way. It's why I went to school for like seven years and spent all that money. And my parents would be sad if I didn't learn anything from all of that. And so this morning, I've got one simple little spiritual practice that I want us to try and do together. And so if you want to feel fresh and new and full of the Spirit, I want you to practice this one little thing with me. It's called spiritual breathing. Spiritual breathing is a simple spiritual exercise that was created by Bill Bright, who is the founder of Crew. And it's a process of exhaling the impure and inhaling the pure. And so just like in physical breathing, we exhale CO2 and we inhale oxygen. This spiritual practice helps us visualize out with the bad and in with the good. And I think that's simple enough that hopefully we can all remember it. And so, the exhale in spiritual breathing is confession. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is good news. All we have to do is come to a place of confession, and God does all the rest. And so, the question then is, how do I confess well, and so the first thing I think you need to do as you are exhaling in the spiritual breathing is you need to name your sin. Not just like, God, I'm sorry I sinned, I messed up, but actually own up to it. There is something powerful in saying, God, this is the thing that I did and that thing was wrong and I know that it was an affront to you, an offense to you, and I'm sorry. And so the first thing we do is we name our sin as we confess but at the same time, because God is good, at the same time, we get to embrace the truth that God has already forgiven us through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And so as I name my sin, I also get to know, but God is good and I am forgiven. And then I repent, which is a fancy church word, which basically means I change my attitude towards the thing that I was doing. I change my attitude towards my sin. And in doing this, it's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us that enables us to change our attitude and our conduct. 
See, because when I'm just living in my flesh, I can't overcome this stuff. And so part of a good confession is to say also, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you to take my old sinful nature, my old flesh, and I need you to transform it so that I can begin to do the things that you want me to do. And so we name our sin, we embrace the truth of Scripture, and we change our mindset Submitting ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. So you do all that on the exhale. Try not to pass out as you're naming your 50 sins and transforming your mind. But you breathe out, and then on the inhale, you imagine yourself being filled with the Spirit. The pneuma, the wind, the breath of God. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, big word, but be filled with the Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? And 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Christian, we have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. Spiritual breathing just reminds us of that fact, and it causes us to intentionally place God each and every day on the throne of our lives and to live in his power and for his purpose. So, when someone cuts me off in traffic, I breathe out my anger, and I breathe in the Spirit. When I'm tempted to look at a website I know I shouldn't, I breathe out my lust and I breathe in the Spirit. When I find myself on social media thinking that I'm better than others, I breathe out my pride and I breathe in the Spirit. And when my kids are demanding my time and attention and I just want to be left alone, I breathe out selfishness and I breathe in spirit. So will you close your eyes with me now? We're going to practice this all together. Exhale. What is evil? Inhale. What is good? I confess my sin. simple. And yet, I believe it will have a profound impact on your life if you make this a spiritual discipline. And as I look back on 2020, things could have been very different if I had been using this one little practice. I don't think I would have felt so isolated. I don't think I would have felt so hopeless I don't think I would have felt so frustrated and listless and angry and on and on and on. When we breathe in and live in the Spirit, we will find ourselves cultivating what the Bible calls the Spirit's fruits. You know them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. I think we could have all used a little bit more of those in 2020. So can we collectively, church, make an agreement together that through the Spirit, we will make those things a priority no matter what in 2021? In these next few moments, Paul is going to uh, sing over us the new song that he has written. And I want us to be still here in the presence of God and practice spiritual breathing. And as you breathe, release the desires of your flesh and find the new life that is only possible through the Spirit of God. for the life flowing in and out of each of us. It is wonderful to be alive. Thank you for your breath that brings life. And God, we, we confess that we hate that COVID has caused us to be hesitant to breathe freely and deeply of your wind and of your goodness and of life. Bring healing and health back to us as only you can. And for those that can't breathe deeply right now, God, we pray. This week, help us to exhale hatred and to inhale your love. Help us to exhale greed and inhale your generosity. Help us to exhale despair and inhale your hope. This week, we cry out to you to breathe life into peacemakers, God. Blow your Holy Spirit over this land. Heal all that divides us. Knit us together with Christ as our head. Thank you, God, for giving us an opportunity to be a part of your breathtaking work. We are your humble servants, empowered by your spirit, ambassadors of your kingdom. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave, I want you to know that we covet your prayers. Um, we, we, we are honored that you share them with us. And so please drop them in the bucket. Uh, the, the, things on the wall along with your offerings before you go. Also want to let you know that uh, Tom Henderson is out in Grand Central by the welcome desk. And so if you want to know more about the Resgen Men's Summit, which is really meaningful, uh, or about date night, if you just need to go out with your spouse maybe and have a laugh, and that's okay. Like uh, there's still lots of tickets for that. Um, And if you're hurting or you know someone else who is hurting or struggling during this season, uh, I, I strongly encourage you to go check out Roger's booth and see some of the groups that we have. There's some really, really meaningful ministry that's happening. But whatever you do, as you go, breathe out the things of this world and breathe in the things of God and be empowered by Him to do the things that He's called you to do. Go in peace. Amen.